Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Yesterday, as I told you in the morning, we looked at the big picture. Movements. Nowadays, people uh, fear the word movements because there are too many movements. So I'm starting to add the word gospel and talking about gospel movements. So that in case you think that this movement might threaten your movement, this is a gospel movement. It's a good news movement. So we're talking about the overarching picture of gospel movements, why they are a necessity and an urgency and why everyone in this room today you should make up your mind to lead a gospel movement don't just lead the missional community let the missional community become many churches which produce many churches which produce many churches until you are a gospel movement yeah one time we will have a meeting like this and to only be for people who have at least 500 churches behind them. Yes. Shout, I'll be there. Don't, be, don't doubt. Don't doubt it. Yeah, 500 churches. Yes. It's going to happen. Amen. So that was yesterday. And today we are looking at discipleship, the engine that makes movements a possibility. And that's why we started with missional communities, which is the most potent disciple-making vehicle. Now, you know, organizations don't disciple people. It is people who disciple people. But those people have to be organized in a way. Like if you join the army, the army can't train you. There will be people who train you. When you go for training, there will be no... It will be individuals saying 50 push-ups, run up the hill, come back. But those people are in an organized system called an army. Doesn't make sense. So, as I told you, there are many serious speakers at this event and my role is to come and entertain you between them. (laughs) So, in case you're taking yourself seriously, take the next one hour to be a time of joy and rejoicing. Amen. You're ready for it. Later on, I'm, I'm going to leave the stage and I'm going to bring on the platform a real preacher. Some of you in your whole lifetime, you have not met a real preacher. When it starts to happen, don't say I didn't warn you. I'm a good person. I like to warn people, you know, I didn't I tell you about Reverend Victor yesterday and you thought I was joking I know that some of you wanted to get saved then you realize I'm a pastor I think I should be saved already I'm already born again but I feel like getting born again again because oh man oh me that was different yeah so I just want to share some little little things about discipleship which may help you. 
and I'll just be answering questions like, what is discipleship? You know the essential questions? Who is a disciple? Why must, not should, must we make disciples? How do we make disciples? What's the next step that I can take? Yeah. Also, if, we, if you allow, we can reach that stage. Because the last thing I want is for you to go and tell everyone how it was a nice meeting. I take my time. I'm taking both mine and Pastor Bonnie's. <laughs> Every time I'm preaching, he says, take mine too. Now, I want to start by telling you something. Being a pastor does not mean that you're a disciple maker. Hey. <laughs> it's a joy session. <laughs> I'm sure you feel that joy. Just because you're a pastor, a preacher, a man of God, a woman of God, is not guarantee that you're a disciple maker. The majority of pastors of congregations in the world today don't make disciples. They run organizations called churches. They are not disciple makers. That's why you like me. Yeah. So, have we settled that? Yeah, because you may be shutting your ears saying, oh, He's talking about discipleship. We even have a discipleship department in our church. Having a discipleship department in your church does not mean you're a discipler. That's like marrying a, a beautiful girl like mine here. Then you say, we have a child production department in our family and we have a child rearing department we've hired some people to help us raise our children what a department yeah, because I literally ran into pastors the whole time and I'm trying to talk to them about the most important thing Jesus told us to do and then they're telling me about their discipleship department who is in charge, the classes they do, and I don't know what. Hey. <laughs> yeah, you're not a pastor, you're a supervisor. And I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. I, am, I too, like Peter wrote to the elders in first place, I too am a pastor. I know about departments. I run a church that has departments, that runs classes, that has a school, that has a school of ministry, that does not mean I make disciples. It has nothing to do with nothing. At all, at all, at all. Who was the head of department of Jesus' discipleship ministry? was in charge of Peter, James, John and all the people that needed to become more like Jesus. 
Now we can start. <laughs> the joy is too much. <laughs> so I'm not talking about planting churches. I'm not talking about running big churches, departments, small churches. No. All that is beautiful. And it's contributing. But it's not the main thing. The main thing is discipleship. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, the last words of Jesus in this book. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, "Uh All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, for this reason, for the reason of the authority that has been given to me, which authority covers both heaven and earth, I am sending you, in other words, I'm giving it to you, to go what? Make disciples of your village, of your church, of all the nations, all the nations. In other words, every nation should be a disciple. You see, Abraham's personal relationship with the Lord led led to a national relationship with the Lord of a nation called Israel. He says, nations, he says, kings shall come out of you. Nations shall come out of you. I'm about to ask you where your nation is. The promise hasn't changed. Psalm, is it Psalm 8? Psalm 2. 2 8. You are my son. Start at verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me. Has the Lord said to you? This is what He said to Jesus, but He also says to you. What has He said? You are my son. Today, are you born again? Isn't this what He says of you? You are my what? Or daughter. In case you are wondering. Today, I have begotten you. And then He says, If you are my son, if you're my daughter, I expect our conversation to be at the level of the next verse. Ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. That's why when Jesus is sending us, he's sending us to nations. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. And says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations, and then the end shall come. Are you are, are you with me? It's funny how people who are not contributing at all at all to this gospel going to the end of the nations. They are the ones who are forwarding the most WhatsApp messages and videos about the end of the of the world. You're like, you're the very people throwing it down. You're telling us how Jesus is coming soon. (laughs) I'm still in Matthew 28. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to obey. Baptizing them, meaning soaking them into a new culture. Yeah, it's like when baptizing someone who is more learned than I described it this way. Let's say you get a, a nice white shirt like this one. 
and you put it in red dye. You know, you get dye, you know dye? D-Y-E, not D-I-E. And you mix water and then you get the shirt and soak it into red dye. When you remove it, what color is it going to be? Red. If it comes out white, call your pastor. Something is going on. So that's the idea that when people are come to Christ, they are soaked into a new kingdom, a new culture. They come unforgiving. They come out forgiving. They come in bitter. They go out joyful. They come in abusing their parents. They go out honoring their parents. They come in evading taxes. They go out paying taxes. a joy session. But uh, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe. Other versions say to obey. The purpose of teaching in a discipling environment is not knowledge. It's obedience. Every Sunday you stand in front there and you teach people to know. That's why it doesn't work. Congregational ministry is for purposes of celebration, not instruction. And law, not lol, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Are you understanding? Are we good? Are we still friends? So, what is discipleship? Have you ever asked yourself whether there is such a question? You know, there are some questions which cause more confusion than clarity. And this is likely one of them. Like, what's love? Oh, what's love? Anyway, what is discipleship? <laughs> what is discipleship? You know, in, in this same scripture, in the KJV says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. Discipleship is teaching. Discipleship is teaching. But I add something there. I said discipleship is teaching for purposes of transformation or change or obedience. If you're just teaching for knowledge, that's not discipleship. Discipleship teaches with an expectation of a change of behavior that is driven by a change of heart. If I tell you to slow down, and the only reason you're slowing down is because you fear punishment. That's not discipleship. But if you understand it and you slow down from the heart, that's discipleship. You have understood the purpose why you should slow down. And so I don't have to be around to remind you every time because now you understand. Are we together? Dallas Willard said, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. So you're a husband, 
and you're a disciple. So even though Jesus wasn't married, but for you, you're married, so you start working it backwards. If Jesus were the husband to my wife, what would he behave like? That's discipleship. Jesus was a man, so he can't be a wife. But you are the wife, and you are asking, when I look at the character traits of Jesus, his competence, competences and his character, if Jesus were a lady and a wife to this man, what would this home look like? That is discipleship. And you should not stop stretching your imagination to it because that's what it is. Who Jesus would be if he were you. If Jesus worked in the office where you work with the technical skills you have, what would be the difference there? Now you're starting to look at discipleship. If Jesus lived in the neighborhood where you live, what would the reputation in the neighborhood be? Would he be the last one to contribute to the neighborhood initiatives to, 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 plug, to, to slash the road or plug the potholes? Or the name of the, the, name of the board for areas? Those who are not paid up. Jesus, then who, then who? He would just create the road. Amen. What is discipleship? It is teaching for purposes of transformation into what? The character and competences of Christ. One section of the church only emphasized the character of Christ, which is encapsulated in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. One section of the church only emphasizes the competences of Christ, which is encapsulated in, in Corinthians in the gifts of the Spirit. I say both. You know, I was telling myself that I must stop a funeral before my funeral. Because that's within the realm of the competences of Christ. Before my funeral comes, I should have at least ruined one or two funerals. You heard our brother, how he was called into ministry by first calling his wife back to life. I was like, what an introduction to ministry. Hey. What is discipleship? Teaching for transformation to the character and competences of Christ. That's why he says in verse 20, teaching them to obey, to observe all things that I have suggested to you. Oh, hey, he don't say suggested? That I've what? Commanded you. He says, for I know Abraham that he will command his children and his household. God asks, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that he will become a great nation? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. 
that they will keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him which is what? To, to become a, a, a great nation. Okay. It's a very interesting thing. He doesn't say he will suggest. No, he will command his children. When you're a disciple, you are commandable. When you're a discipler, the Bible says when Jesus had finished commanding his disciples, on more than three occasions, say when he had finished commanding his disciples, now, when you run a political church, you can't command anyone. Everything is for the meeting. What? So you can't make disciples. If you can't command, you are not discipling. You're doing something else. Yeah. Can you imagine Jesus sitting down, Peter, and just, guys, I need, you, I need a vote on this. Go vote on it and come to me quickly. I need to, do, I need to know what to do next, and you're holding me back. Wow. Are you still here? What is discipleship? Teaching for purposes of transformation. But let me lean into this a little bit so you don't miss it. God told Abraham that he would become a great nation. But then he says that the way he will become that is by commanding his children and his household after him. After him. You can't become a great nation if you don't take care of discipleship where you are. Your immediate children. When I teach this to the vocation pastor, they say, this is your disciples, your immediate leaders, and your household is your location, your church. Assume that children is these ones, your immediate disciples, household is your church. That's how God is going to make you a great nation. If you can't, if you can't handle these ones and the household, you forget about the nation. Makes sense. Hey. hey. Woohoo. I'll command. Rather, he will command his children, his household after him. Amen. I hope you are sufficiently satisfied with the answer to the question what is discipleship? Next question is who is a disciple? Because it says, Go therefore and make. If I tell you to go and make a ball but you have no clue what a ball is ah, we are going to come up with all sorts of ideas shapes and other things let me, let me play a game let me pick a Chisoga word I'm looking for a Chisoga word a very complicated Chisonga word. Huh? <laughs> I need an objective word, a word that is an object. Okay. And I'm going to write out on only non Ugandans. So if I say, go bring me a Chigumbulizi. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to take your wildest guess as to what that is. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's not. Just take your wildest guess as to what that is. Anything really. A bicycle. 
Aha, a bicycle. Chigumbulizi, a bicycle. That was neat. Pastor Mary? Maybe a speaker. <laughs> a speaker? Aha, aha. Reverend Victor? I think it must be a game. A game? Aha. Uh-huh. Pastor Jimmy, you want to try? A bicycle. Oh. A bicycle? Pastor Jimmy? A wife. <laughs> a wife. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's see what your wife thinks. A road. A road. Apostle. It should be a building with um, holes in it, maybe three stories up. Okay. You see, when, when you tell people to go get something, but it's not clear what it is. Have you seen all the variety of definitions? Now, do you want to know what it is? No, the people this side don't want to know what it is. <laughs> you have got it today a long time. <laughs> it's a big stomach. It's a caterpillar. It's a caterpillar. You know that stage between being an a what, an, an egg and a pupa. Yeah, that thing that goes around with hair on it. That's the Lusoga word for chigumbulizi. So sometimes when we say go make disciples. Then people have all sorts of imaginations what it is. Everyone with their own definition based on what they think it means. Okay, are we still here? Now the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. Okay. Let me read here. It says the term disciple represents the Koine Greek word mathetes, which generally means one who engages in learning through instruction from another, a pupil, learner, or apprentice. Okay. So the word disciple comes into English usage by way of the Latin discipulus, meaning a learner. But given its biblical background, should not be confused with the more common English word student. Disciple is not student. It's pupil or learner. Now those of you, my land friends here, Can you call a PhD student a pupil? 
Can you call um, an undergraduate student at a university a pupil? Can you even call a secondary school student a pupil? Which, which learners are called pupils? Primary and nursery. In other words, <laughs> a disciple is one who learns, who accepts that level of learning, instruction, not research. Like a child. Discipleship is not for demagogues, opinionated. You know, when you're teaching in P2, you don't ask people to go and research and tell you what they think. What is the origin of one plus one? In what year? No. They just need to know it is two. And then they will ask how, why. Then you bring one apple. Okay, mango. You bring a mango and say this is one mango. Okay? Bring another mango. You say this is another mango. Okay? When you put them together, how many mangoes are there? Two. Yes! That's discipleship. One plus one equals two. Disciples are pupils, learners of a childlike nature. I'll never forget, life was good and going on well. One, one plus one was two. I don't know what. And then we started doing integers. Primary five. The teacher came in and started talking about negative one and drew the x-axis and the y-axis. I was like, how is a negative? How, what, what negative? Because I'm like, how can you have a negative one mango? Algebra. Collecting what? Like terms. A intersection B, A union B, prime numbers, one, two, three, five, seven, eleven, thirteen, seventeen, nineteen, twenty-three, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one. I mean, we, we were kind, eh? Square and square root. Ay, 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 ay. Oh my God, cube root. There, even there, by the way, you're still until you reach now trigonometry. Cosine, tangent, A plus B. A, tan, tan C equals A. Find X. Oh, expand. <laughs> you just keep making the thing bigger. That's, those are not disciples. Those are students. Researchers. High-minded thinkers. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is A disciple is one who learns like a child. Yeah.
Love your wife. The way Christ loved the church. Okay. What should I do? Buy her flowers. And then he buys flowers. You know, you, you can go into researching all sorts of things. It doesn't help the wife until you buy the real flowers. Why not chicken? Okay, buy her chicken. <laughs> That's discipleship. I'm here to help all of us. Because your church is full of PhDs, which is good. But when it comes to discipleship, it's not about the high-minded reasoning of the Greek philosopher. It's about the simple act. Honor your father and your mother. How do I do that? Every time you get paid, at the end of the month, send them something. Or buy them something that they, they may not even need, but they, they can even afford it, but buy it anyway. Let the money they will have used to buy it for themselves, let them use it for someone else. Ha, but about how if they would, but they, they, they have a lot more money. Well, now you're becoming a student. You are no longer a pupil. Ah, but you don't know my wife now. Right now, we are not in a good... Now you're becoming a student. You are not a pupil. Once you bring in your research, you are beyond discipleship. Yeah. It is simple. Who's a disciple? That's the one. If you can't command them, they are not your disciples. If you can't be commanded, you are not a disciple. Because it's easy to want to command others, but you who commands you. Yeah. Okay. It's getting thick in here. We are just going through discipleship, you know. What's discipleship? Teaching, instruction for transformation to the character and competence of Christ. Who's a disciple? One who learns like a child. You see, all these wonderful theological colleges, they don't produce no disciples. And I'm, I'm, I'm in one right now. I am even supposed to submit a research proposal in a time frame that I will not tell you about. It's a joy session. I'm not alone. There are other people. They are wondering why I'm reminding them. You can be a PhD in theology who, who's, who is as far from the character and competence of Christ as you, you can imagine. Yeah. Because not just even character, there's competences. Heal the sick. That's a competence. Raise the dead. That's a competence. Preach the gospel. That's a competence. Teach. That's a competence. So you can't be one who just speaks and chooses. Let me have chosen the character side. We need the competences. And you can't give your denomination as an excuse for lacking competences. 
You're a disciple of Jesus, not a denomination. Why discipleship? Are you enjoying this? <laughs> By the way, all the answers are in that little text. Three verses. All the answers are in 18 to 20. What is discipleship? Who is a disciple? Why? I especially like the why part because it starts to give you the pathway to movement. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. It's a cycle. I call it the discipleship cycle. And here it is. I think Vera, I didn't warn you, but if you can find me that loop, I'd love it very much. Oh. Uh, you know, we have the best media team in the world, hands down. Yeah. At another church, they would just be saying, ah, but he didn't, he didn't send that one. He didn't say he needed it. I went to preach at a certain church. Then I told them, I'll be using the New King James Version. He said, we, here we only have NIV. I'm like, look, even my phone has several versions. You can't find a version. <laughs> yeah, some of you, your, your media teams, your church, your calling came from heaven, but the media team came from hell. We repent. We repent. We repent. We can talk to us without the mic. I can talk to you without a mic. Yeah, yeah. Two things, media teams and worship teams. Oh yeah, if you're not careful, you can have both from hell. The calling is from heaven. It's a joy session. <laughs> but over here, our media team is from heaven and our worship team is from even beyond heaven. So, amazing. I, should, I shouldn't forget the sound team. They are part from of the media team. <laughs> so authority and discipleship. This is the why. One, he says, all authority has been given to me, go make disciples. In other words, the purpose of the authority is to make disciples. And I like to say, any usage of Jesus' authority outside the context of making disciples is an abuse of authority. Any usage of Jesus' authority outside the context of making disciples is an abuse of that authority because the purpose of the authority is to make disciples. If I go to Pastor Steve Thor and say the Lord has blessed me or us, um, please, here is Twenty million Kenya shillings. Go to Riru and buy a piece of land for the church. What is the expectation? What is he going to buy? Where? For what? So we meet a few months later and he's like, you know, your administrator is here. 
And then he's like, you know, it's like this. You know, when it comes to money, the longer the story, the worse it is. Yeah, like I was teaching people the other day about money. I was telling him when it comes to money, you either have it or you don't. It's that simple. Once you start expanding beyond either you have it or you, you, you yeah. They send you, here is 5,000, go buy bananas, they are 3,000, bring back a class of bananas and change, 2,000. You come back waving your hands. There are no bananas. We are thinking maybe you didn't find them. I'm like, okay, where is the money? Now, first, uh, yeah, first sit down, I tell you. What a shock. That's the same with discipleship. A lot of people can explain why they don't have disciples. You know, Jesus could name, you know why you know Jesus' disciples? Because he named them 12. But you can walk to a pastor right now and say, name your disciples. Now, then they start saying, now, what do you, exactly do you mean? Are you talking about the staff members or the, the, the lead volunteers? Are you talking about the team leaders? You see, if you start asking those questions, you don't have disciples. <laughs> you don't have disciples. If you did, you would just name them. I'm going to say, name your disciples. So and so, this one, so. Yeah. Like he did, Peter, James, John. Andrew, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Judas, Judas. And yeah, he named them. Well, Paul, every time he's closing his letters, he's mentioning names of his disciples because he moved in many places, so they kept changing. Greetings from this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Send greetings to this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. You, you don't have names. You have positions. And you think you're better than Jesus. You see, that's why we still have a weak church. With a strong Holy Spirit. A weak church with a strong Holy Spirit. It's inexplicable. Why we have left the ways of Jesus, we are digging wells that have no water. So the purpose of the authority is discipleship. But here is what's very interesting. This is what I found. You know, I, used, I even wrote about the purpose of authority is discipleship in one of the books. And then I got a revelation later that the discipleship also leads to authority, which now I put in this latest book. So if you don't buy it, the more disciples you can make, the more heavenly authority you possess. It's as simple as that. Look, you can shout about how you have been given authority until we ask you to execute something with that authority somewhere. And then you realize you cannot. Then you know I don't have authority. Let me repeat for those who are still wondering. Because you're between break and lunch, so many things can happen. 
the more disciples you can make or facilitate making because you really can't make many disciples the more authority heavenly authority you can carry I can tell how much heavenly authority you can carry by the number of disciples you have facilitated making my I was reflecting on it this morning as I was leaving home my personal vision because we in school of ministry we're school of leadership we are forced to write down personal vision and I reflected on it again that my personal vision as I wrote it down that time and still is is to facilitate the discipling of 10 million people in my lifetime so everything I do is about the discipling of people towards Christ so I, I gain very quick interest in people who are passionate about discipling people. And I lose very quick interest in people who are not interested in discipleship. Because that's what I'm here for. So why should I be interested in you if you are interested in making money only? It's a joy session. You see this thing here, let me demonstrate it. In 2010, oh no, in 2020, the year 2020, the year of our Lord, COVID, in the middle of COVID, the Lord, you see me here, because of this discipleship thing, I'm so passionate about church planting, that's why you find a lot of people who have planted churches and they didn't know they were planting them. They thought they are bringing someone for the launch. They didn't know they are the ones launching. But in 2020, the Lord spoke to a man in Nigeria called Bishop Oedepo to plant 10,000 churches, which they planted in one year, 10,000. Yeah, true story. All my stories are true, except those ones that involve the hare, the lion, and others. Now, can you imagine the dryness of God? Here is a man passionate about church planting. He passed my prayer room like this. He said nothing. What a shock! Then he went past Pastor Ari's prayer room, said nothing. Then he came to Dr. Dazwit's prayer room in Nairobi, said nothing. Went to Pastor Jimmy's in Ongata, said nothing. And went all the way to Nigeria and spoke to one guy, said, Plan me 10,000 churches. In the midst of, why do you think he didn't talk to you? Is it because you don't like planting churches? I thought we were having a conversation. Joy says, why didn't he talk to you? I can predict. <laughs> you don't have the disciples to do it. Every time God wants something done, he will talk to people 
who have the resources to do it. The disciples to do it. The capacity to do it. I pity people who are in churches and they run so-called intercession departments who, who think their role is to harass the pastor about whatever it is that God is saying. It's like, do you know, doesn't God know where the pastor lives? Do you know why pastors suffer? They have all these people in their churches who have never met the disciple but they have their own secret dreams of what they think can be accomplished in the kingdom. So like, Pastor, we should start a ministry to, to, to women with pink hair. Yeah, the Lord has a passion for women with pink hair. You, you, if you want to do it, why don't you do it? Do you know why you're not doing it? Why you're bringing the thing to pastors for him to be the one to do it? Because you don't have any disciples to do it. You see, in worship harvest, anyone who wants to pursue anything that's godly has the permission to do it. Start a mission or community and choose that thing as your frontier. Yeah. You're passionate about single women? Start a mission or community. Reach out to single women as your frontier. You're passionate about uh, people with pink hair? Start a mission or community. Reach out to people with pink hair. You're passionate about... Uh, <laughs> It is as straightforward as that. Don't come to me to impose upon me the burden that the Lord has given you because you don't have disciples. Here is the thing. You shouldn't be tempted to buy anything if you don't have the money. The only people who are tempted to buy things are people with money in their pocket. Have you ever been tempted to buy anything when you don't have money? No. Now, you don't have the disciples for it. But you're there, you're passionate about trees. The environment, the environment, the environment. Make disciples and then tell your disciples every week we are going to plant trees. That's what God has given me as a vision. And if you raise 10,000 disciples, you'll be planting 10,000 trees a week. Yes. Authority is determined by the disciples you have. If, you know, Jesus said, let the things that are natural teach you about the things that are supernatural. Even in a country, the authority that anyone has is determined by the forces they control. But you've neglected to make disciples, but you want to borrow someone else's disciples to accomplish your thing. How? How? It can't work. It has never worked. It, it wasn't designed to work like that. Why do you think Jesus is accomplishing great things on the earth today when he's in heaven? He left behind disciples who have made disciples who have made disciples who have made disciples. How does Jesus love your neighborhood? Through the disciples in the neighborhood. Oh, yes. You're feeling the love. In COVID, like everyone else, people had to do something about the community. 
So one gentleman came to our house and said he was hungry. And my wife said, I'll come back tomorrow. I'm going to organize something for you. So we were already buying, we had already put together a lot of packages here at church that we were distributing to our members. And then we agreed with that guys were in charge that could people buy and pay back to distribute to their communities who are not part of the membership. And they said, okay. So we bought some number that I will not tell you and our house became the, the distribution center for our neighborhood. And now some of those people are in Washipavis Chitukutwe. Now, here is the thing. When I came and talked about it here, within the next three weeks, people had bought packages and we had reached 2,000 families. Not on the church budget. Just people saying, oh, this is what Apostle is doing. I also want this number of packages. And those are the ones that we set out from here. Others, they went and organized their own food centers. That's what they call discipleship. You, you can come and tell your story also. <laughs> we can also come and tell your story and we see how many will be fed. Yeah. It is direct. It's directly correlated to the disciples. Not members. Members don't care. They think you're here to preach. Disciples. More air. Are we okay? You are understanding. It's the only way. So, the more authority, let me help the people around here move some air because they are looking like. Tss, tss. We are not breathing. You are not breathing. We are struggling. Even the power is off, so someone is going to help. Let there be power. So let there be power, please. Where is the person in charge of that? Okay. Ah. Kev the Rev has worked on it. We've tapped. Yeah. We have tapped anointing. Are, are you understanding, friends? Don't take this lightly. This is how it works. You want to, you're passionate about the environment, start a whole discipling track of environmentalists. That's how you'll change the environment. Tweeting will not help you. Yeah, you'll tweet and no one will listen to you. And by the way, you know, every concept in heaven has a counterfeit in hell. This thing I'm telling you is the exact thing so-called celebrities use to corrupt the whole world. They have their own disciples. They want you to dress with less clothing. They will just do it. And then before you know it, everyone's clothing is becoming less and less. Okay. Thank you for your thunderous enthusiasm. So this thing here, remember the authority is not your authority. It's Christ's authority given to you. How do you affect it only by disciples? Why do we have corruption? Because we have so many Christians who are not disciples. 
and all the people who are stealing iron sheets don't have a discipler, they would be accountable to and say, uh, uh, I'm about to take iron sheets that belong to such and such a place. I'm going to use them for personal use. Because otherwise, when you meet in your discipleship meeting and someone is testifying that the Lord gave them iron sheets, you are going to ask, how did the Lord give you the iron sheets? At least in worship service, that's how we disciple. You can't just show up in a Range Rover and we, we are we're all wondering how it happened. You're going to tell us how it came about. And you can't say this is my personal life. You don't have a personal life. You have a Christ life. And a Christ life is a submitted, accountable life. Two miracles are headed my way today. Hey! The more disciples you can make, the more kingdom authority you can exercise. Now, let me show you how this happens. That's why it says of all the nations. I've done this before for many times for many people, but I'll do it again for you. Should I use a flip chart or might you have a record of this somewhere? No, let's just do it quickly. Uh, this is which one? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Hey. I tell you. So we are going to take two scenarios, okay? Scenario A, do you guys on my this side? No. You guys have to take scenario A. I was going to give scenario A to this side because of Dr. Mgisha being this side, but then I realized my wife is this side, so you guys have to take scenario A. Yeah. And you guys are going to take scenario B. Wow. What a shock. Dr. Daswit has left the group. <laughs> so, scenario A. You go out of here with a passion to lead 100 people to the Lord every day for the next 30 years without a break. If you're about to sleep like this and you realize you led 98, you have to get out and go find the two. Or you quickly do a Facebook live broadcast and you better be anointed that people will commit. Yeah. So if you're doing a hundred people per day in one year that's going to be 36,500 in three years that will be 109,500 man if you're leading a hundred people to the Lord every day eh? no conference will you not be speaking in your books will be selling like hot cakes You'll have a large staff team. You'll be on radio, TV, online every day. You'll have Moses Mukisa Evangelism, Global Evangelism Outreach Ministries International of the Holy Ghost Fire. After six years, that will be 219. Nine years, 328. Like that. After 30 years, you'll have led 1,095,000 people to the Lord. 
you'll do a big event, there'll be a banquet, there'll be fundraising, there'll be celebrations. Never mind, we will not know where those one million are. But at least you help them cross over, but you don't know if they went back to Egypt. Now, I was going to say, who, who thinks they can do that? Then I realized I shouldn't ask the question because this is the side. These are the, these are the mega evangelists. Yeah. Now, to know whether you can do that, previous performance predicates future expectations. Just check what you've been doing. It will show you whether you can. Then let's say this side, there's this other group. They, they have some gifts, but they are not that, you know. Everyone looks at them and says, can, can you really? Can you really? Are you really a man of God? How come we've never heard of you? <laughs> they are there. They can make tea and share the scriptures. And they decide, I'm going to make 10 disciples for the next 30 years. I'm going to tie myself on 10 disciples until something comes out of them. And their idea is how you know something has come out of them. Like Jesus, in three years, they each start discipling 10 others. And those, in three years, they each start discipling 10. I'm talking about three years. Three years is a long time, by the way, yeah? So there's a three-year cycle, and remember, you don't move from these ones to another group. No, same group for 30 years. Can I make the deal sweeter? Because Jesus, you know, one betrayed him, one denied him, one doubted him, a few others forsook him. Now, so let's factor in a 50% failure rate because of human nature. So you're discipling 10 people, but after three years, only five are able to start discipling 10 people. And even those, those five, after the three years, only half of theirs will be able to disciple. So really, we've wired in a failure rate of half. Okay. In three years, how many active disciples? Those who can disciple. Now I'm talking about those who can reproduce. How many will you have? Five. How many of you know no one is going to invite you to speak at a conference? Your books will not be selling like hotcakes. You will not be on TV or radio. Five. So and so has a ministry. He has five. After six years, how many do you have? What did I say yesterday? Our challenge is we are trying to plant mature trees instead of seedlings. That's why you don't have a movement yet. You're trying to transplant a whole congregation with speakers, wireless mics, drum sets, screens. Ah, and then you say we have planted. In one country, which is not far from here, they have to do that because they are not allowed to do otherwise. But in other countries where you can do otherwise, I don't know why you're doing that. 
You can't have a forest planting mature trees. Have you ever seen a forest that is out of mature trees? No. So you have your 25 disciples, you do everything together, the kids are on holiday together, you go to the mall, for Sunday evenings you are eating, what? Eish. It's like a family. In nine years, 125. Now, this is not exactly supersonic progress in ministry. Ah, is that Bishop Danny? What a shock! What a shocking shock! Welcome. In nine years, 125. Uh, this is when people wrote you off long ago. Yeah, like that is no anointing at all, at all. One twenty-five members in nine years. Let's be serious. But they don't know that there is something called multiplication. In twelve years, six twenty-five. Now people are almost convinced that what you're doing might be, you know, a church of six twenty-five. 12 years is a long time to get to 625, but still, no, that's us. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Pastor Jimmy is saying, these guys think you're doing nothing. Because for them at 12 years, they have led 438 people to the Lord. And for you, you're just there with 625. But they don't know what's coming. In 15 years, 3,125. 18 years, 15,625. Now, at that point, people are thinking, hmm. Mm. They started as if they are joking in a bar with a small speaker. What's happening there? We hear things. <laughs> We hear things about that church. They used to be here, 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 here in the corridor. Remember, you're reproducing every three years. In 21 years, that's 78,000. In 24 years, that's 390,000. In 27 years, that's 1.9 million. In 30 years, that's 9.7 million disciples. Not converts, disciples. Now, do you know you don't even have to quit your day job to do that? Because you don't know all these people. You probably only know your first, the first three layers. You know the five, the 25, and some of the 125. The rest you don't know. But they are known by someone as, because they are someone's five. They are someone's five. Nowadays, when worship service is planting churches, in many cases, I've never even met the pastor. Yeah, I see the name, I'm like, that name? Can I see a picture? But some, to someone else, they are there five. Do you understand? I don't even know whether I can go past this. Hey. 
That's the power of discipleship. Now, the other day I was somewhere and I was starting to think. You know, in worship service, we encourage every mission or community to lead one person to Christ a week. Let's say they get it one week and they miss the other week. In other words, maybe they went out, but no one made a decision. Sometimes it happens. So you find that because we take a break every six months, every five months, every six months is a break. So you have five months of operations. Five months of operations give you how many weeks? About 20 weeks. So let's say out of 20 weeks, you're only able to get 10 people. Right? 10 to 15 people committing. That means that your missional community can double every every six months. So let's say you leave this place and you go to your church and start 10 missional communities. In six months, you can have 20 missional communities. In a year, you can have 40 missional communities. In 18 months, you can have eight missional communities. In two years, you can have 160 missional communities. Isn't that what the people at Grace City Church have done? 100, now, there's, by the way, they've gone much faster than that. You can have 160 missional communities in two years. In two and a half years, 320 missional communities. In three years, 640 missional communities. In three and a half years, 1,280. In four years, now, give me the other missional community thing for the non-believers. The one which takes a whole year to multiply a missional community. It's among the ones I sent you yesterday. Oh, can I have it up, please? So this is, let's say you close the year with 10 MCs. Or you can start this year and take it down, whichever way you like. Now, here we are saying the mission of community reproduces after a year. It's very dangerous, by the way, because after a year they may be so inward looking, they may not reproduce. But let's say you have some rebels. You have been facilitating rebellion and that's how your church works. They want seven, seven to eight meetings before they can launch a mission of community. It's not the kind where the leader closes the group <laughs> and tells everyone, now you are all leaders of mission of communities. Let's say you start with 10 in 2022. Let's say, I mean, let's assume you close the year with 10 in harvest, they call them harvest groups. Yeah, you close the year with 10. But the idea is to reproduce every yeah. In one year, you'll have 20. In two years, you'll have 40. By 2030, which is less than 10 years later, you'll have 2,560 groups. If you put, on average, 10, 10 people in each of those groups, that's 25,000 people. Now, if you take it another, do, do you have an, an extension of 10 years or this is it? I don't think I sent beyond 10 years. So, but if you do this for another 10 years, by 2040, what would the number be? 
Who wants to calculate for us? Take 2560 divide times 2. Huh? 51,200 in another 10 years. Uh huh. Times 2. That's 2031. 10,000. That's in 2032. 20, times 2. 2033, 20, 20,000 times 2. 40,000 in 2034. 40,000 groups with 10,010 people. That's 400,000 disciples. Times 2. Times 2. Have we reached 2048 times 2? Times 2. 650 what? Missional communities. And that's when they said, do you want in or you want to continue running your thing. Do you want the way of Jesus or you want your way? Where you run your thing and you're a big man, you stand in front, people fear you with your microphone. But you don't have, what did Apostle Kalaz keep calling them? Fighting units. Dispensing love in the community. You can have this. You can have this. Or you can have that. Or you can have both. But the whole point of this is that having this and not doing that really is criminal in the kingdom. When you have these kind of resources and you are not deploying forces, it's, it means you exist for another purpose altogether. Maybe you are there to get salaries. You couldn't find employment in other sectors, so you decided to work in the church. It's so easy. Why don't we do it? What's hindering us? You could reach a generation in 10 years with the right knowledge. Of course, it will quickly occur to you, you can't run that many mission committees in one place. So the only logical thing to do is to start planting churches. The U.S. Army doesn't operate from Fort Worth Fort, Fort Worth Fort Leavenworth that's not where they are they have bases all over the world church planting is about creating bases from which the fighting units can operate worship harvest locations exist to equip and deploy missional communities the number one job of worship harvest pastor is to disciple missional community leaders. It's not to preach. It's not anything. It's to disciple missional community leaders. How to fail in worship harvest is to not have disciples who make disciples. Ha. Ho. Hee ha hee. Are you with me? This is so simple. It's so simple, someone has to confuse you. Because what's so complicated about opening your house? Sharing the same scripture you read that morning. 
if you are not attached to something else and making tea and praying for people and believing God for miracles and telling them bring someone next week until the place is so full you say now some, some of you need to go with these other people to the other house and what is so hard about that how many committee meetings do you must you have to do that We are like people who are shown an airplane and told, you can fly to Kenya and you're like, I like my bicycle. You don't know where this bicycle came from. It has been in the family for generations. Please, we are not going to get where we need to go with the bicycle. The jet of kingdom transformation is discipleship. And that's why we plant churches, so that we can create forward operating bases. You know, you have a base there now. You are checking how many mission committees, how many frontiers, how many salvations a week. Until it catches. Like, okay, send some more. Create another base further ahead in the next town. You create another forward operating base. How many frontiers, how many mission committees? And then you said, go create another forward operating base. Because if all the mission communities were based at Nalia, how would we reach people in Imbarara? We've gone for mission. That's why we like it. We've gone for mission. We've gone for mission where? You're just going to disturb people. Can't even speak the language. You're having a weekend adventure and you're calling it mission. Go create a forward operating base. You see Bishop Danny is here. He's, he has created a forward operating base for their church in Chengera uh, there. So, now people are getting saved. What? If he was to fly in from Ghana every few weeks, it would look impressive in the passport, but there would be nothing on the ground. Ah! for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.